Hello and welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number three from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm your host, Graham Gardner. In this podcast, we're going to focus on dowsing to find water, which is still the most common and well-known use of dowsing. Almost everybody will have heard of a forked twig being used to find underground water. It's the classic image of a water diviner. But of course, there's a little bit more to it than that, especially if you want to sink a borehole to get to the water. And today you'll find that many water diviners also operate their own drilling rigs and work on a no-find, no-fee basis. But in today's ever more populated world, the need for fresh water is becoming ever more important, especially in the more arid areas of the world, and good water diviners are always in demand. Later on, we'll be continuing our practical dowsing lessons with some instruction on the use of L-rods to find underground water. But first, we have an interview with professional water diviner Aaron Bray from St Austell in Cornwall. I asked him how he got started with dowsing. Um, I probably started probably around sort of 16. Um, I worked in a quarry beforehand um, and then obviously the Eden Project came along and I was a driller, blaster and fitter there and um, the Eden Project came along and I, I had the chance of um, leaving Sir Ranston Quarry or possibly not continuing on my apprenticeship. So I joined my father's company which is a pump company and uh, we used to do a lot of boreholes and stuff there anyway, drilling of boreholes. Um, uh, getting balls drilled and fishing the pumps and pumping equipment. We used to use a guy called Donovan Wilkins before he died, and then obviously his son continued on the business um, up until he, he more or less um, couldn't do it anymore due to ill health. Um, that way I lost a good driller, so I'd gained a lot of experience in that time, and um, I was dowsing as an amateur for people at 10 dowsers, and some of the sites before we got them in, and more or less we'd agree some of the sites. So, I got keen on it then, but I never really had the chance, like many dowsers don't, to prove um, where you pick the spot for a driller to get yeah. along. So now it's down to me, it's my checkbook, and I've got to pick that site now, um, which is, is quite a scary thing sometimes. I'm still very fortunate enough I can work with the Wilkins family still, and occasionally Ralph will work with me um, and come out and do jobs for me still. Some of them I pick myself, and obviously we drill, you know, I say that's where I'm going to drill, and I drill, and sometimes I offer a no water, no fee situation. So obviously my dowsing from then, uh, I said for the last four, three years really, has got very professional if you like, on the register. Um, I'm working with BSD and we do a lot of um, prior water supplies for farms, um, new builds. And the latest thing is a lot of geothermal drilling for ground source heat pumps. So I've been involved in that um, for, for the last sort of two years on the drilling side if you like. Well that's interesting, I, didn't, I wasn't aware they used the uh, diviners. Yeah, for, for geothermal stuff? Um, obviously with, with a lot of the boreholes, not all boreholes, but there's a particular new product out now where you just need one borehole. Right. Um, which is um, a company called Thormec who are based in Honiton in Devon. And they use a system which is like a reverse refrigerator. And obviously they're going to bring up the, they, they need quite a high volume of water. And then it comes up and goes through the unit and then is, 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 is um, basically filtered back into the earth and then obviously it will get to the borehole. Mm. It's a cheaper system than the, um, the the conventional way of two boreholes and obviously the loop system. This is an open loop as, a closed, as opposed to closed loop system. So that's been quite popular particularly in the last two years for us uh, with those systems. I quite like doing them because it's not just like you've got to drill a borehole anywhere. Um, a normal system you don't have to get water really. Yeah. With this system I have to get quite a high volume of water so it's very good for your dowsing. 
Uh, it's very challenging at times, and Cornwall is unlike um, what you'd recognise from Scotland. Um, Scotland, there's, there's a good a lot of water around, and quite often, um, you know, there's a, there's a guy that used to be um, uh, Edwin Taylor. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, his, his book is fantastic, and the sort of flow rates he was getting are very high. I've doused in Scotland, and I've had some good success rates myself in Scotland, especially in the borders. But in Cornwall, we don't get as high volume as water. I think it's purely down to the geology we've got there. So trying to get the right best blind spring where the water is is, is quite a challenging job on such a small area sometimes. So that's something I enjoy. So do you actually doze uh, for, do you doze for a crossing of water or do you doze for a blind spring? Quite often what I look for is a continuous blind spring. Um, right. As a driller, you know, you, you hope you get success all the time. Um, I'm learning all the time as a youngster still, you know, I'm, I'm just barely 30 yet. I, you know, I'm, I'm quite a fresh dowser to it. My, there's no history my family is dowsing really. So obviously I'm sort of setting myself up. Donovan Wilkins obviously trained his son and his wife and, and, and there was a family of dows in there. So obviously for me there's no history of it. So I've got to start again. But we've had a couple, you know, I'd say we're 98%. Um, you know, we've had good ball holes now. But we've had the odd couple where we haven't. So I'm learning all the time. And I've had one where there was a non-continuous spring recently. Uh, we drilled three ball holes in the same field and we, we had nothing. And I got a geologist in and another dowser. Um, and he, he, we basically found that they were what they were is, is seasonal springs. Yeah. So obviously, I'm, I'm now looking for a continuous blind spring where several uh, water levels will meet. Yeah, no, that's always interesting because I think I, re- I mean, I'm not a water dozer, so um, uh, but I remember reading somewhere about uh, you shouldn't drill into a blind spring because there is a danger of like killing the pressure. I've never heard of that myself. It's, oh, right. It's an interesting okay. statement. <laughs> um, but basically, you know, I, I can see their point in some ways, but obviously because you're going to be pumping it up anyway, yeah. um, providing there's no, you're not affecting anyone else's water supply in that chain, you know, I know it's very difficult, but within a couple of miles, should we say, um, because I'm working locally, I kind of know what is down in the valley um, with my pump company as well, because the chances are they're my customer, um, or I try often will check the history. We will drill into that blind spring and try and pump the water out then and get quite a high volume of water. And how do you approach uh, a job? I mean, do you do a, a, a map dose of the site before you get there? or? I very rarely do a map dose. I will go on site. And yeah. First of all, before I do it, I will you know, obviously um, talk to the customer, explain what I'm going to do. Um, I try and get the customer involved as much as possible because I, I sort of play on it, that, you know, because people are very sceptical of dowsing, so I try yeah. and relax them. I obviously take some spare rods and try and teach them a bit before mm-hmm. we start. And then obviously I say to them that I need to be concentrating now. And I do a scan of the field after I'm happy that there's, um, I, I can get the rig in a particular site. First thing I've got to check is the rig, getting the rig into a site. So the access road, as I'm driving now, I'll be checking that out. I'm then looking for things like silage pits and um, overhead power cables and problems why I shouldn't drill that site. Maybe a septic tank, maybe a farm effluent plant. Um, any reason really why I shouldn't drill in that area for safety reasons, first of all. And you check this through dowsing, or is this more just a common sense this, this physical? Is, this, is, this is a common sense muscle. visual, right? And then obviously I will start my dowsing. Then I will yeah. do a scan of the area, um, and if I'm unsure, I have took, I've done a map, a quick drawing of the area, and then gone back and mapped doused it. Yeah, and yeah. more or less, you know, I've had a couple of work in conclusion with that, which has been good. Great. And how does the uh, how do you approach um, estimating depth and quality and that sort of thing? It's I know many water dowsers have their own method for doing this in terms of you know number of sidebands and etc etc. It's always very difficult. You can get a, a reasonable feel, I believe, and you can get a reasonable belief of quality uh, because we know the area and we know what the neighbours mm. got more or less, so we can more or less indicate what they might have. Geology maps are very helpful. I use them a lot. 
Um, as opposed to water structure and where the aquifer is, it's always difficult. Um, you can more or less, you know, get it within, should we say, a few meters. Um, not always, because different structure affects different things. And I haven't worked that way in formula yet. Like some people, obviously, yeah. for slate, add on ten percent, yeah. etc. Or you know, for granite, add on fifteen. I haven't really worked one out for me yet. The same with flow rates. You know, obviously, what I do is I work the old rule of thumb, like the Wilkins family used to. They, if they got 11 gallons, they would half that, and more or less, they got five and a half. So I can more or less work around that sort of sequence, and I know I'm not far out then. Yeah. Um, it's very rare, you know, that we, we get less than what we thought. Uh, in slate, we do have problems sometimes, but obviously most of our drilling is very tough in Cornwall, yeah. in Devon, in uh, sheer granite or serpentine on the lizard. So, um, and we have tombstone granite, which we call is like what they make the headstones on. Yeah. It's a very, very tough granite. Yeah, it must be hard to drill through that sort of stuff. Really. It, it can take, uh, it can be very challenging. It can take, um, yeah. it can take a matter of, you know, an average borehole would take a day, maybe two days. You could be there for three days and only done, done, you know, maybe twenty meters. Yeah. Um, so yes, it can be less rewarding, should we say? <laughs> um, you may as well write the customer a check before you started in some ways on that job. Yeah. But equally, you're providing a service, and it's, you know, you've got to hit the good with the bad. Yeah, I've got some friends that have just moved into a, a farmhouse just north of uh, Plymouth on the, the Beer Peninsula, and the rock there is all shillite, uh, and they were excavating around the side of the house to make a drain, and you know, they had real trouble with the digger getting, getting through this, because it's just practically solid rock all the way. You know, We have a lot of problems with clay, we can quite often get drilled in with it, yeah. um, and, you know, we have problems with that, we've got to be careful of. Um, and some of the structures around by us can. We have a, 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 a green sand, it's called, which is like a running sand. We have it in North Devon, more up towards um, sort of Exeter, past Exeter. And you have to Odex case, which is still casing before you go. Um, it's a service we can do, but I've got to admit, with history and that, I try and avoid it mm. because it is a very a long-winded job. You can make a lot of money of it because it's more expensive than normal drilling, but it's um, it can be an awful lot of hassle um, because you have to weld on the lengths as you're going. And I just choose not to use it. I use it another contract to fill that particular area of, area of work if need be. And if somebody employs you to uh, to make a borehole for them, I mean, do they know that you're a dowser, or do they just engage you as a drilling company and don't really care how you get the result? I think a lot of people are very keen on dowsing. I think uh, Cornwall very much like us and the other Celtic areas. Yeah, there is, does seem to be this sort of uh, heritage tradition of dowsing, doesn't there? I think so. I think yeah. um, a lot of people believe. There's a lot of drillers in Cornwall. There's several. And I think some of them just believe you can drill anywhere, which in some ways, yeah, in hindsight you can. But if I could just, if I could find you 10 gallons a minute by dowsing, and I could just drill anywhere and get one gallon a minute, as a customer, I'm sure you'd prefer a doused. Yeah. Um, that's my sort of point where I pick uh, with the customers. Um, I think because we explain it and we follow the job completely through, um, because we're pump engine as well, so I'm, I'm doing the whole circuit. I think they're quite interested in it. A lot of people are always interested. I've only been to one site before where they're very sceptical of dowsing, and they, they preferred I didn't douse, and that was the job we just did drill anywhere. Yeah. Luckily, I, I got a bit of a feel for it because if I, I sort of looked at an area and I thought, well, I will drill up there, and I, luckily, I think it was just luck on my side that side because I do believe in dowsing. Yeah. Myself, yeah. Silvsy, I think you know, I was disheartened because I couldn't douse the site, and. Um, when they sneaked off and I was drilling, I did actually douse it and I actually picked a reasonable point. So. Yeah. And when you're doing depthing, I mean, I know there are um, several methods, like there's Bishop's Rule, where you, you get a sideband that's equal to the depth of the stream, uh, and then there's Crake Method, where you put a stake in the middle, 
and you there was a circular band around that which equates to the depth of the stream or I know some people just use a, a pendulum to you know count the number of feet down I mean, do you have a favourite method like that? I very rarely use a pendulum running like that. I have yeah. used bishop rules in the past Yeah. yeah. Um, mainly I just obviously if I know I'm in the centre of the spring I'll work there with my L rods Right. Um, I do use carbon fibre rods uh, in, a, in a shape of a hazel twig Right. Um, yeah, yeah. basically kite poles um, joined together as many have gone now um, but mainly I just use my L rods and I would stand over the top of the centre and get a reasonable idea from there. Um, in Cornwall, I price all my drilling up to 200 foot anyway on the average job. Right. Um, and then if I need to go up to 230, I've, I've got you know, an area. Sometimes we have to go deeper, sometimes we less, but obviously it's a reasonable figure with my lining I use. Because I use a very good quality liner that's screwed together yeah. um, uh, rather than glued together. And obviously I, they're very expensive, so I have to see, give a limit see if, if there's any more than that we, we discuss it with the customer great I think that's about uh, covered uh, water dowsing for this no problem so thank uh, thanks very much for talking to us well there you go that was a very interesting insight into the world of the professional water diviner but what are the techniques of water dowsing how do we go about it well, fortunately for us, finding water is almost the first thing that every dowser learns how to do, and the basic techniques of working with the L-Rods to find water apply across the whole spectrum of dowsing, no matter what you're looking for. In the lesson, we're looking for underground water flows, but the same techniques apply to finding pipes, drains, cables, and so on. Now, you will need to have a pair of L-Rods if you want to work along with this lesson. You can easily make a pair from stout wire, for example by cutting up two wire coat hangers. Form them into L-shapes with a handle of around 5-6 to six inches, that's about 12 centimetres, and a long arm of around 14 inches, about 35 centimetres, uh, at right angles to the handle. If you like, you can put some thin tubes such as pen cases over the handles to let them swing easily, but it's not really necessary. You will also need to be in a fairly large and open area, such as a field or a park. Try to find a natural, unspoiled area away from buildings or other man-made features. You want to be sure you're picking up on natural water flows, not pipes or drains. We'll go straight into the lesson now, so you may want to stop the podcast at this point and carry on when you're all prepped and ready to go. So my student for today is Elaine, who's a complete beginner. So Hello. How are you doing, Elaine? <laughs> very, very excited. So you've never done any dowsing at all? Um, I think people have shown me before, but I've never actually done it. We've maybe talked yeah. about it before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now uh, we're using L-Rods here which have swivels on them. And there is a choice. You can have them without the swivels. Some people prefer them with, some people prefer them without. Um, it's good, I think, for beginners to have swivels because a common fault is that many people grip the rods too tightly and they don't move as easily. Right. Um, but it is definitely worth trying it without the swivels because there's nothing like feeling the rod moving in your hand. So I would recommend trying both. Anyway, okay. so again, we hold the L rods with uh, arms about the width of your body. Forearms that parallel to the ground if you can, yeah, about there. And yeah, just keep your shoulders relaxed. And you want to bring the rods up so they're pointing straight out in front of you. If you go too far, you find they start swinging out or swinging in. So just dip them down a little bit. So it's like you're pointing a pair of pistols at somebody. <laughs> yeah. The higher you have them, the more sensitive they are. The lower they are, the less sensitive they are. Right. Yeah. So you want to get them just before they start to fall out sideways. So okay, 
Now you can use these to ask questions as well, like you do with the pendulum. And so I could say, show me my yes response to these. And the cross. Okay. And if you say, show me my no response, they oh. open. Yeah? So yes. you want to try that? Okay, show me my yes response. And they're not doing anything. Okay, sometimes this takes a bit of a while to, to get used to. Okay, shall I ask again? No, okay, let's we'll see if we can find some water first. Right. Often if you haven't actually had the reaction, it's easier to get a reaction from water. If you don't actually know what they're going to do, it's sometimes hard to get this. Okay. And also, like the pendulum, it helps if you're moving. So right. you find a lot of people asking questions and will say, you know, show me my yes response and they'll take a step forward just to give it some impetus. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm going to say, is there water down this path ahead of us within, say, 50 feet? I'm getting a yes, okay. So we're going to walk down this path straight ahead. Yes. Yes, concentrating on the idea of underground water. Now, this is an example of focus. You have to think of, uh, think of little fissures in the rock with water flowing in them. You know, think of the sound of water in your head. You have you know. to visualize it. Yeah, you have to visualize it. The stronger you visualize it, the better you'll get it. Because otherwise it's possible to pick up water in pipes and things as well. Right. Yeah. So yeah. we're really looking for underground water that's mm -hmm. deep under the ground. Okay? Okay. You ready? Yes. Just keep holding that picture in your mind. And let's go. So start walking forward. Thinking about water. Underground water. Coming up now, I can feel it. There we go. Get anything there? No. Okay, let's turn around and go back. Oh, it might be underneath us. Okay, yep. So, forward again. Here, I'm getting it. Hmm. Okay, try again. Just think, you know, just look at the water, visualize a little stream flowing. Twitching. Twitching, yeah. Sometimes it takes a while to get this together. But, uh, let's just keep persevering. Oops, somebody cut me here. Just step off the path. <laughs> Trees are often a good indication. You know, you, you know there's going to be a water line under a tree somewhere. Right, because the tree will yeah, want to have a water will, source. Yeah, the tree will have a drink. You'll often use, these are good natural signs as well, because you'll often see branches that are bent at right angles, and they'll go out from the tree horizontally, and then they'll start growing up. You'll always find a water line under that right angle. It's under like, the right angle. Yeah. Don't see any around here, but often you'll you'll find this. At the, you know, it is quite spectacular. But the tree can sense the energy, and it grows out so that it's over the energy coming from the water line before it starts growing vertically. Ah. Yes. You mean that right angle will be under the water? Is that yeah. what you're over the water? Yeah. There's not really any good examples here, but. Um, there's a big one there. Look. Yeah. Again, still not that spectacular an example of it. Uh, but we'll see if we find one. Okay. Um, another indication, you see trees that have very pronounced twists in the trunk, like a big spiral corkscrew. That's another phenomenon, which we'll get onto in a minute, called a blind spring, uh, which is where you have water rising to the surface, but not breaking out as a spring, because maybe there's a rock strata or something. So it rises up under pressure and it hits this, and then it uh, spreads out like the spokes of a wheel. And your rose are going a bit bananas there. No. <laughs> Okay, let's try this water line again. So, so maybe just close your eyes and you know, think about it. Imagine it's raining, imagine you're in the shower. 
and imagine that's trickling down under the ground and there's a little stream flowing away just flowing across this path here in front of you Should we walk? Yeah, put your rods in the set position, just tipping down a wee bit getting a bit too sensitive there Okay, you got that? Yes. That's fair then, okay So we're looking for water, underground water flowing fishers in the rock And I'm right on it here you got a wee twitch there Yes, they seem to Yeah Ooh. Yeah. Let's just go back again, let's keep trying this they're a bit gingery. <laughs> well, do you want to try mine? These are a bit, probably not as sensitive as those. Yeah. Oh. You never know. Because I know these ones have got very good swivels. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, these are very sensitive. Okay, let's try again. So, water, underground water, underground water. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. We've got one moving anyway. So and try again. Hmm, we're going to have to work on this. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just a little That's bit it. distracted with because it's a bit unusual. Yeah. Holding these rods. Okay. Um, you're trying to be so ginger with them. You know, hold them in your fists, like. Yeah. I mean, just don't squeeze them. You know, try and keep your mm -hmm. hand relaxed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay. Yes. So here we go. Underground water. Mm -hmm. Underground water. Yeah, we're over it there. There so we go. <laughs> there you go. Right. See? Yeah. Just a question of getting the, the right grip, really. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's come back a bit further now. Okay. So now what you've been dowsing there is uh, what we call the centre of the stream. Yes. Now it's not this. I don't know how wide this is. You know, this might be an inch or so wide. This could be a lot wider than that. But typically, you're dowsing the strongest signal. Whether this is, you know, the actual width of the stream or the, or the actual centre of the stream, I don't know. But what you tend to find with water lines is that typically you can douse the centre and then you can douse the edges, and it'll be about a metre wide, say. So we know the centre is just by that rock there, mm -hmm. so let's go back a bit. And now I want to concentrate on finding the near side edge of that stream. So The near? The near side edge of that water vein. Okay. So I'm saying show me the near side edge of the water vein. This is what, this is what you're asking the rods. Show me the near side edge. Show me the near uh, side edge. Forward. And I'm getting it here. So, yeah, that's a little bit further forward. So if I say show me the centre, you see it's another step or so further on. Yes. And if I say show me the far edge, that, you get it about another step further on. Ooh. Yeah, there you yeah. go, so you're getting it. And that's just about three to four feet, sort of a metre wide. That's very typical of water. You'll nearly always find it in, a, in about that sort of size. Now you can also ask with the rods, I want to know the direction of flow of the water. Okay. Yeah. So I'm working on this stream that we've just found and I'm asking the rods to show me the direction of flow and walk forward again. And both mine are going to the left. And, uh, well, <laughs> mine are going. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can even do this with one rod, which is sometimes easier. So just show me the direction of flow. Yes. Yes, right. You can actually follow the line like that. Um, let's move over to the right a little bit, otherwise I'll be in the bushes. So if I go over to the tree here, 
and with one rod I want to find this water line so there it is and you can sort of follow it and you find the tip of the rod just kind of sticks to it you see how that's weaving about there as yes. I'm following it so <laughs> this is why the rods are, are much better I mean you can do this sort of stuff with the pendulum as well um, it's a lot harder to be precise though with the pendulum so how does this work? It's just the same. Your body's picking up the response, and it's you know amplifying by being amplified by the rods. But how does my body know? Well, how does your body know? Is it good question? Um, well, that's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Is it some radiation that's coming off the water that your body's detecting? You know, uh, that would seem to be the case. But how does it know which direction it's flowing in? You know, possibly there's a polarity. You know, there's a difference between upstream and downstream. I don't know. Is it because... Um, is it because your subconscious is accessing this information at some deeper level? Is it because my subconscious is in tune with the whole of sentient nature? Exactly. And, and can, Everything is connected. Yeah. And can know anything. Yeah. If I allow Possibly. myself to reach that place. Yes. Well, I mean, I can't say yes or no scientifically, but it's mm. it's a working model that works. That's know. so exciting! <laughs> <laughs> so if you're doing this with a pendulum, I'll just show you. You can come in your search position and say, show me where the water line is. And you'll start getting a circle as you come into the middle. But because you're moving forward with this, you know, it's very difficult to pinpoint it precisely. Yes. You can get within a few inches or so, but yeah. much easier with the rods which is why they're so handy in the field. Now, another thing I wanted to mention about the pendulum was just the issue of uh, protection and ethics. Yes. You know, because you know, it is easy to misuse this stuff and ask uh, questions about people that you shouldn't really be asking. Yes. So you know, it's important to be ethical and respect folks' privacy. Okay. And also, if you're doing any sort of advanced energy work with, with the pendulum or with dowsing, like looking for geopathic stress or dowsing at a sacred site like a stone circle, you know, some of these energies can be quite strong. And if you're tuning into them, you know, it can actually give you a headache or, you know, make you feel ill. Um, I mean, I've had this quite a few times when I just walked in unawares. So it always pays to do a sort of pre-flight check if you're do doing any sort of dowsing like that. And a lot of people will have their own system of protection, you know, they'll mentally visualise a bubble of light around them or, you know, a cross of light, something like that. Uh, anything you have in your personal repertoire that does that is good. <laughs> but uh, with your pendulum you can just do a simple check as well. So you can say, I want to douse this site for whatever it is, you know, water or earth energies. And then just ask yourself, can I do this? And you should get a yes. So can I do this means, you know, do I have the dowsing ability for this task? Okay. Yeah? Then the second question you, you ask is, may I do this? Which means, do I have all the necessary permissions from either the landowner to douse his field or the site guardian if you're at an ancient site? You know, there's always some sort of spirit of place in, in many of these sites. So um, a good example of that is um, the last time I was at Wayland Smithy on the Ridgeway, which is a, a long barrow. I was walking up the access path asking these questions while I was uh, twiddling my pendulum. Uh, just as I asked this, may I do this, a huge bumblebee came up and like, looked me right in the eye, hovered in front of me and then turned and went on down the path. So uh, I took that as my yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the third question then is, should I? 
which is a sort of catch-all. Is there anything else I'm overlooking here? Is there a, another reason why I shouldn't be dowsing today? And I got a note for that once at Stone Circle, and I thought, oh, what's going on? So I sort of crept up to the Stone Circle. It was very overgrown. And just behind one of the stones there was a nest of newly hatched chicks. Oh. So that was why it wouldn't be good for me to go oh. pumping about dowsing. So, so these are good questions to ask every time you're about to start a dowsing so session. Can I, so, may can I? Can I, may I, should, should I? I? And if you get a yes to all of them, then it's fine to go ahead and douse. Okay. Okay, I think we're just about done for today. So, uh, Elaine, thank you very much for coming along. Thank uh, you, Graham. Um, <laughs> sorry if I've completely uh, blown your mind now. But <laughs> no, no, it just made me more curious. <laughs> Great. Okay, thanks again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, short lesson with the Elrods, and I also hope you managed to get reactions from them. Just remember to keep practicing, it gets easier with time. We'll be bringing you more lessons in future podcasts. Adventures in Dowsing comes from the British Society of Dowsers in Malvern, England. For more details about dowsing and the Society's activities, please see our website at britishdowsers.org. You can also register and leave messages on our forum at britishdowsers.org forward slash forum. There is a special podcast section in there for all your questions relating to the show. Or you can email us directly on podcast at britishdowsers.org. That's all we have time for this podcast. Hope you'll join us next time for more Adventures in Dowsing.